Hello everyone and welcome to my podcast, What We Know For Sure. There's so many things I want to talk to you about, but I thought that today I should start with COVID-19 as it's something that all of us are experiencing. We are all currently in the midst of this globally. It has affected almost every country in the world. And even during Second World War, we were not this affected. We have had countries shut down, the economies and borders over this virus. What is this virus? Let me give you some background. There are 12 deadly viruses out there in the world. We have to remember humans have been battling these viruses since before our species has evolved. The first virus is the Marburg virus identified in 1967. The first outbreak was in Germany. This is similar to the Ebola. People developed high fevers and bleeding throughout the body leading to shock, organ failure, and death. The mortality rate when it first broke was 25% of the population. The second, the Ebola virus. This was identified in 1976. This is spread through contact with blood and other body fluids from infected people or animal. The biggest outbreak in 2014 in West Africa. The third virus, rabies. This has a vaccine and has had it since 1920. It spreads via animal. It destroys the brain, and if you don't get treated, you will die. Fourth, HIV, commonly known as AIDS, the deadliest virus in the modern world. 32 million people have died from HIV around the world. It was the first identified in 1980. One in 25 adults have HIV in the African region and two thirds of the people around the world live with it. Number five, smallpox. Mortality rate were far higher in populations outside, the, outside of Europe. 90% of the Native Americans died from smallpox. It was introduced to them by the European explorers. We don't realize it, but it was huge It was a huge burden on the planet, not just in death, but also caused blindness. We have a vaccine and eradicated it. Number six, the Hunter virus. It was identified or gained attention in the US in 1993. This was not transmitted from person to person, but rather contracted disease from droppings of mice. It affects the pulmonary arteries. Number seven, influenza. During the uh, typical flu, up to 500,000 people die worldwide. The most deadliest flu we've had is the Spanish flu. Began in 1918 and sickened 40% of the world's population, killing an estimated 50 million people. Number eight, the dengue fever of the dengue virus transmitted by mosquitoes first appeared in 1950s in the Philippines and Thailand. 40% of the world lives with this disease. Dengue sickens 50 to 100 million people a year globally. We have a vaccine for this, but it only works if you've had it in the past. Number nine, the rotavirus. We have vaccines for this. Causes severe diarrhea, but among kids, mainly babies and young children. In 2008, 453,000 children died from this. Number 10, SARS-CoV. 
This causes severe acute respiratory syndrome, first appeared in 2002. It spread to 26 countries, affecting more than 8,000 people, killing over 770 over a two-year period. Number 11, SARS-CoV-2, commonly known as coronavirus, belongs to the same family as SARS-CoV. First identified in December 2019, this is now called COVID-19. Estimated mortality rate as of December, 2.3%. The symptoms, fever, dry cough, shortness of breath, and then into pneumonia. Number 12, and the last virus, the MERS-CoV, sparked in the Middle East in 2012, and another in 2015 in South Korea. This belongs to the same family as the SARS-CoV, SARS-CoV-2 known as coronavirus. The symptoms, severe pneumonia, and has a mortality of 30 to 40%, making it the most lethal of all the coronaviruses. I listed the 12 deadliest viruses earlier to give you an idea that there have been and are many viruses around the world. It is important we understand that. The world was hit in the early 20th century with the Spanish flu in 1918, and then again by the Hong Kong flu in 1968. At this time, the world came together and we had a lesser population globally as well. As of today, we have over 10 million cases worldwide of COVID-19, over 500,000 deaths globally. The leading country most infected is the United States, followed by Brazil, Russia, India, and Great Britain. What do we know for sure about the virus and how it will end up? We don't. No one knows. Everyone is speculating. Politicians, doctors, and scientists, we are all speculating. All we must do is be the responsible human being, take precaution, wear a mask, as not to infect or get infected, wash our hands and practice safe distancing. In times like this, we should all come together, not focus attention on our individual rights, but more on all our health rights. Only together can we control this virus and have it so we can all go back to our previous way of living. In my opinion, we will end up living with the virus. We just have to change our behaviors for all concerned. Like anything, it will become second nature to us all. What I know for sure, if we don't start taking precaution, we would only lengthen our closing of borders and daily routines. Health is wealth. That should be your mantra. We should be repeating that. Health is wealth. Without health, none of us have anything. We have no human rights. We have no voice. And we won't be have, the, have the ability to go outside and do the things we take for granted or have taken for granted. This will not be the last virus that affects us or infects us. If we don't come together and work as a collective to protect each other with COVID-19 or against COVID-19, how are we going to stop anything worse that comes our way next? I urge you, the listener, to read everything you can out there about this virus and make your decision on how you help your neighbor by wearing the mask. Do not listen to the politicians who have their own self-interest at heart to win an election. God gave you a brain to think for yourself 
and help your fellow man. Do it with understanding the pandemic, the beauty of the modern world. You have the information at your fingertips and can see how it's affecting every country around the world and how it's surfaced and make your decision. Do not let politicians divide us with their rhetoric as they are here today and gone tomorrow. We the people have to handle our lives and our economies. We do that by helping our neighbors and being considerate. I end this by saying what we know for sure is health is wealth. United, we are stronger. We can end this by doing it collectively, protecting our fellow neighbors by us all working collectively, wearing a mask, being considerate of the other and uniting to rid COVID-19. Good morning. I hope you had a great weekend. I've been down and out for the last couple of weeks, been out in the farms working with farmers and realized that despite COVID, despite rain or shine, they get up really early, tend to the animals and tend to the fields. And this kind of brought me right back to thinking, you know, what failure and success is all about and what that really means. And I wanted to talk about that today because I think that if you live long enough, you would definitely have had um, failures through your life, whether it's in a relationship or whether in business, and some of us in both. And I think that really makes you a much stronger person. I personally see failure as a road I would say a door that opens for success and I'm certainly not um, an alien to failure I think if I look back in my life I've I've had numerous times where I've just fallen flat on my face whether it's you know financially or in a through business or even in a relationship and I think it's how we handle it that makes us succeed it's very important that we look at failure as a roadway or pathway to success. And only through failure, you are successful. Provided, of course, you look back and you reflect and you understand the journey that took you to that end. I'll tell you a couple of stories and, and I hope and I'm sure that many of you will relate to in you know failure most people kind of just look at it as oh business I failed I um you know the markets are down I don't have the ability to pick myself back up or my company is shut down I have to close it I have to um dissolve it I'm a failure and I think that if you learn as to what went wrong, why it went wrong, who was involved in taking you there, or did you make those mistakes, and how you can um, better yourself, you should automatically get back, right back on that horse, set up, have a better idea, and build upon that. Never sit and dwell 
on self-pity because it does not get you anywhere. There was a time um, when this, I basically started my very first, I think, company and I hit every single roadblock I could possibly hit. I mean, one after the other and no matter what I did, who I spoke to, I was either too young or too um, not qualified enough for the path. So there's rejection after rejection. I could do two things. I could sit at home and, you know, cry upon the fact that nobody believes in me or look at myself in the mirror and say, do I believe in myself? And if I do believe in myself, then that's all that matters. And now go out there and make it happen. And when I actually did that, everything turned around for me because emotionally and psychologically I believed in myself and I had to hit that point where I felt that I was hitting my head on a brick wall to really do some self-searching and that really helped me a lot and I'm sure many of you you know whether you're starting out a small coffee shop or whether you're building a major business you, we all face that. We're all not immune to that. And even in relationships, failure will help you be a better person and find a better spouse that's more agreeable to you and your needs and vice versa. You know, I think for a long time, um, a divorce or splitting in a relationship was always looked upon as a bad thing, that you failed. But you really haven't. Why would you even think that you've failed? You've actually just not found the right person. And now you know what works and what doesn't work. And if you reflect on those mistakes, you become a better person and you're able to really identify and draw the right person to you. So failure is really not failure. It's actually success because you really understand yourself better. And that's what the journey of life is all about. What we all know for sure is that coming into this world is really to learn more about who we are, what we are about. And we have to fail in order to learn that. So never look at failure as a negative. Look at it as a positive. And in everything that you do, if you keep a positive mindset, no matter how difficult it gets, you will find love. You will succeed. You will make money. And you will be happy. Again, it's a mindset. And never let... And surround yourself with things that you love. Even if you can't, if you're not, you know, people tend to think you have to be a millionaire to be happy. But there's a saying, the richer you are, the more miserable you are. And that's because you have more problems that you have to sort out. But again, it's a state of mind. Even if you're living in a hut, if you have the simple things in life that make you happy, start there and work from there. And that will bring you success. So what I know or what we know for sure is that failure always brings us success in the end. Well, I hope you have a wonderful day and 
and I'll see you next week. Good morning. Today's topic I was given to talk about is is it okay to be your feminist self on a first date? I think it's very important for a young girl or a woman to just be herself on a first date. She's neither feminist or non-feminist. Being true to who you are should be your first and only priority because if you do start your very first initial meeting with the opposite sex or the same sex depending what your preferences are and and on your first date that you have to stay true to yourself only then i think and feel that you could actually have a good relationship with the person going forward and if that person does not like you then don't even bother going to the next level with the person or trying to change for that person but since we're going to be talking about women today I I think women come in many different shapes sizes uh, values um, uh, personality types and they're all beautiful There's not one that is better than the other because God made you perfect. Perfect in the way you came out into this world. Perfect in what you do, perfect in what you say, perfect in how you think and what you plan to do. You are perfect. And if we start there, then everything else is secondary. If you're going to do an arranged marriage and if the man is to choose what his mother wants then you're actually very lucky you got away I think you know you know gone gone other generations where we should go into life wanting to please the only people we should please are our parents everybody else outside they need to accept you for you respect you for you trust you for you because you are perfect the the unfortunate thing i feel that over time with with media and um culture you know regardless whether you're in the west or in the east the same thing always applies everybody wants or has been uh, taught to want a female who has no opinion but times are changing and i do believe that if the male is comfortable with who he is and what he is about and not a control freak then it wouldn't matter to him because once again you are perfect just the way you are so i would say that just be yourself and voice your opinions you don't have to fight everything 
learn to know what to say when, but just be yourself. And when you are yourself, you will always find the perfect mate, whether it's a male or a female. Just always remember, I keep repeating, you are perfect. Good evening. Um, The topic today is do we send our child to school in the COVID era? And I've been facing this dilemma myself, a school term nears and if I should send my child to a school on day to day, understanding the epidemic that we are in or the pandemic as they call it. And it's been difficult as a working mother um, with no babysitter or no other help, you do kind of think, all right, where do I put my child or do I send my child to school? The first thought, you want them to get back with their friends. You want them to play with their friends and enjoy, just enjoy school because they've been at home the whole time. But then when it really comes down to the crunch, is that safe for your kid because you really don't understand the virus you don't know how it affects people differently and um, will they bring the virus home and if so would that affect me and being the sole breadwinner you do kind of ask those questions because if you get sick And then who's going to be there to take care of your child? And um, with, you know, with the way the medical system is, they don't have the ability to to handle very much. So there are a lot of questions that, you know, you've really got to ask yourself. And I, after just so much deliberation and and self-searching and toying with the idea of sending or not sending right up to the last day I finally you know decided now I'm just going to put my child on an online school at least for the next year to year and a half because I really just don't have an idea of where this is going to go or how bad this is going to get with you know governments not really um taking a handle of this or even understanding and and using this politically it's harming the people the most and with a lot of people not understanding the virus and being I would say stubborn or pig-headed about you know protecting themselves and other people it makes you look at things and say look others may not feel the same way so you've just got to make a decision on how you protect your own and the one way to do that is to put your child in online school yes it's different because there are other issues that you face now where do you keep your child when you have to be when you have to go to work and um are they going to learn the subject um the same way they would in in a classroom but, you know, there are two sides to that argument. There are many parents who have homeschooled your children and they've turned out perfectly fine and, you know, gone on to become 
good citizens and um, found their place in this world. So I do feel that maybe, you know, this whole thing is going to change the way we see education. It's going to see change the way we work and our bosses and even if we are bosses have to create a better working environment for our um, employees so that they can work at home and still maintain an education for their kids from home. That doesn't mean that they won't be able to do a good job. I think for the longest time in a society, we've just felt that we've just got to be in a different environment. We've not been around our children. They, they, we've dropped them off and we've picked them up and they have, you know, we spend maybe a couple of hours in a day really focused on them because the rest of the time everybody's doing their own thing. And this whole pandemic has changed that. For me, it's, you know, I look at it as a positive thing. I really do just adore my kid and I just enjoy every minute I am with her. I am fascinated with the things that come out of her mouth, although sometimes so idiotic. But the innocence and the the bubbliness and the happiness and the the wonder, the sense of wonder, which, you know, we all lose as we get older because we get cynical. We focus on money. Uh, we, we focus on all the troubles of the world, but never the wonder and the magic that comes when you're a child. And being around your child all day, that rubs off. And, and you kind of think, what is it all about? You know, why do we stress so much? Why isn't what we have enough? Why do we keep striving, striving, striving? When all the happiness is just right in front of us, but we fail to see it. Because we're just looking somewhere else, thinking that the happiness is somewhere else. And a child brings all that back to ground zero and makes you realize that your happiness is right there in front of you. You just fail to see it. And that's been very enlightening for me. And, you know, it's been hard. I think that we all go through the same thing regardless, you know, where we live or what we do, the kind of home we live in or, or not we face the same issues, the same concerns, the same hurdles. We just deal with them differently. So I, I don't know as a parent what you plan to do, but you know, there are great online schools out there. Uh, they're much cheaper than the private schools. You still have a better handle of your kid. In fact, you'll be much closer and you will be able to revisit school and you know, help them understand their journey um, through your eyes, which would give them a better understanding of who you are as well as a parent. So anyway, I just thought that I would share my dilemma of being a parent and trying to figure out whether I put my kid in school with other kids or online. I think we have to think about I'll end this by saying that I think we have to think about two things. Do we want our kid to get sick? And if so, do we want to get sick? Can we afford to get sick? And what are the consequences if we fall sick? Even if it's for two weeks or three weeks, it could be even longer. So do we really want to take that risk? 
until we really understand and have this controlled because this is not just like any other flu out there this this really attacks your your whole body and your lungs which is quite scary because when you can't breathe you know it, it's not a fun thing well i hope you make the right decision for yourself and your families and i wish you all the best